1: You are Locked on Packers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. Wherever you find podcasts, you'll find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin, and the show, for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today, we have some things to talk about football-wise, which is good news for June, because minicamp is underway, and that is, you know, I, I think if OTAs are not nothing, because they're not nothing. But the, the OTAs is just sort of, um, it's, a, it's a jumping off point for the offseason. By minicamp, because minicamp is mandatory, uh, things start to take shape. And we actually saw the same group of, of starters in minicamp, um, at least defensively, to open uh, OTAs. Offensively, the, the change of Devontae Adams is something that is going to affect the receiver carousel. And we're going to talk about that. In the second part of the show because there is a change there and I think it's important, certainly more important than I realized at the time and and could be hinting at more meaningful change than we realized. But I want to start the show with a conversation about Josh Jones because he showed up to minicamp but was not practicing and was hurt, apparently, allegedly. And I was dubious of it. I'm going to be honest. It felt like one of those things where he showed up because he has to show up and if he doesn't show up, he's subject to fines from the team but says, sorry guys, I can't practice. I'm hurt. And It just so happened, conveniently enough, he had a soft tissue injury, something that is very difficult not only to diagnose but to manage and treat and assess, hey, you're good to go because it requires so much of the individual saying, "Yeah, I feel good." Or, "No, I don't feel good." And so Josh Jones can show up and say, "Hey, listen, I, my hamstring's tight. I don't want to I don't want to push it." And the doctors have to say, "Okay, if it feels tight, don't practice." And so I was ready to just be like, "Okay, you know, he's he's still trying to get traded." But then Matt LaFleur has his little press conference after mini camp and he says or after after the the, the Tuesday practice, and says, you know, Josh Jones and, and the team were on the same page as what the ex, as far as what the expectations are of him. And we like what he can do. And, you know, we think he has a role, et cetera, et cetera. And Brian Gudekinst said, you know, we're going to do what's best for us. Right now, it seems like they don't have any interest in trading him. And they did make, and Green Bay is notoriously conservative on stuff like this. They made Josh Jones available to the media and he spoke and he said, look, you know, I'm, I'm hurt. I had every intention of coming to minicamp and I missed OTAs because I wanted to spend time uh, with my family and I was, you know, uh, I have a new child and all this stuff. And it was convincing. And so all of these dots being connected, and he said, look, this was the plan all along. That doesn't mean he doesn't still want to get traded. But I think what's what's difficult, number one for him is he has no leverage, zero, none, nada. Because Green Bay, if if he decides he wants to play, there is a role for him on this team, And maybe it's not as a starter. Maybe it's as a special teams contributor, as a sub package linebacker, as a blitzer, you know, whatever it is. Even if it's just on kickoff coverage and and as a punt gunner, he showed he can handle that role last year and do it pretty well. But he he only costs about a million dollars on the salary cap. So there is really no cost in keeping a player like that on the team, even an unhappy one. So there's really no incentive. For Green Bay to deal him. The other problem is he has no value or very little value because he didn't play particularly well last year. And he is unhappy. So teams know he's unhappy. So they're less willing to give up assets to Green Bay to get him. The best way to, for Josh Jones at least, to find a trade is to become more appealing to teams so they'll give up some better stuff so Green Bay is more incentivized to trade him. The problem is you can't do that if you're not playing. So all of that in context, I find it a little bit more believable that he is at minicamp and is not playing because he is physically unable to play. The best case scenario for him from his perspective is to come in, crush it in mini-camp, crush it in training camp, have those stories come out. Josh Jones looks rejuvenated. He looks great. Kill it in preseason. Make some plays. Get some picks. Force some fumbles. Get some sacks. Here's the problem. If he does that, then there's probably a role for him on this team and the Packers are going to want to keep him. So he's really in a lose-lose situation, at least from his perspective as he's looking at it right now. But I, don't, I just don't know what he... Wh- where is the motivation? Does he feel like he should be starting? I mean, look, they used a first-round draft pick on Darnell Savage. He's already starting. They signed Adrian Amos. He's going to be starting. But that doesn't mean that Josh Jones can't have a considerable role on this team. That he can't be a useful player on this team. And Matt LaFleur is saying we're on the same page. He understands what the expectations are. It is possible that he is discontent, but willing to play. We don't know that yet. We don't know because apparently he's hurt. So is he hurt or is this part of the leverage process to get the Packers to move on to just say, look, I'm not going to practice. I'm going to be here. I'm going to show up because I have to, but I'm not going to practice. I'm not doing it. And until you trade me or you cut me. Well, neither of those situations right now for the Packers seem likely, and and I guess even more importantly for the Packers, they don't want to set a precedent that in year three of your contract, when you're under contract this year and next year, that you can just force your way out. This is a second-round pick. I mean, the, the, the league is not set up this way. It is set up so that at the end of four years for a second-round pick, the team gets to decide basically. And really, it would be at the end of this year, they'd decide if they want to extend him. And if they don't, you know, usually after year four, they're allowed to walk. There's no fifth-year options for second-round picks. Is Is there really a future for Josh Jones on this team? I don't know. I mean, I think there could be. I think you can lay out the case. I think you can look at it and say, here's where he fits. Here's where he can help. There are certainly opportunities for him to come in and play some dime linebacker. I mean, I would much rather have on third and 14 have Josh Jones and Oren Burks on the field than Blake Martinez and Oren Burks or even Blake Martinez and Josh Jones. So there's still ways that he can be valuable. There's still ways that he can help the team. And he played the good soldier last year. What I understand from his perspective is the frustration of, of having someone like Kentrell Bryce play ahead of you who's just not as good as you, not as talented. And having someone like Jermaine Whitehead play ahead of you. And I don't know. I'm not in those meeting rooms. You know, I don't get to see practice every day. I don't get to see what the coaches see. But I know when you watch him on tape and when you look at the way that he impacts games, he was just better than those guys and those guys were playing over him for reasons that I don't understand. And I understand his frustration with it playing out that way. The problem for him is he just really doesn't have any sort of recourse here because the Packers have no incentive to trade him. He doesn't have much value, so they're really at an impasse here. And I think the only option he has is to get healthy enough to get on the field and see if he can get someone to bite. Would Green Bay rather have the depth at safety? Yeah, I think they would. Would they rather have the depth at at linebacker? Yeah, I think they would. They would rather him be on the team than not. Otherwise, they would have just cut him. They think that he can help this team. And if he can't, you know it's going to be on their terms. That That's just the reality of the situation right now. That doesn't mean that it's not going to end the way Josh Jones wants it. It still could. It's just the case that he doesn't really have that biggest say in it right now, and he's behind the eight ball if he really is hurt. It seems like given the situation, he'd have to really be hurt to not practice because he needs to practice. If he wants to get traded, he needs to practice. And so this is this is, you know, hopefully not contentious, hopefully not ugly. Hopefully everyone is, is gonna do what's best for them in this situation and, and it doesn't get, you know, any worse than it is. But we'll see. It's gotta play out and it's gonna take some time before that happens. And speaking of ugly situations, not being able to perform when you need it in the bedroom can be an ugly situation. It really can. It can be embarrassing. And that's why Blue Chew is here to help. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-improved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor visits no waiting in the pharmacy and best of all no awkwardness right now we've got a special deal for our listeners visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free with our special promo code locked on just pay the five dollars shipping again that's bluechew.com blue like the color blue chew.com promo code locked on to try it free
0: David Harrison here, the Locked On Washington Football Team podcast, celebrating with you a twenty-one grain salute to a less boring sandwich, thanks to Dave's killer want organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit Dave'sKillerBread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store.
1: So when in OTAs, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison were the first two receivers with the first team, I assumed it was because Devontae Adams was being held out and they were being cautious about him and and not trying to overexert him and and all of those things. And then you hear the praise and and there's the big plays and Aaron Rodgers is finding MVS for big plays down the field. And he fits the mold of that big play down the field receiver, someone who's going to who's going to run those skinny posts, who's going to run those blaze outs, who's going to run those fly patterns to open up the field for his teammates. The offense and the play-action game, especially with those shot plays, which we talked about, they are predicated on having a guy like that. And at the same time, there was discussions about Geronimo Allison as a different kind of slot receiver. He was going to be the slot guy. And he was going to be that big slot, that sort of Muhammad Sanu type slot receiver—bigger, strong, smart, reliable—and you know, win over the middle, win on those short little routes, win coming across the field. There's just there's there's a bunch of different ways you can use him. And I assumed that in base in two receiver sets for the Packers offense, it was going to be Devonte Adams and Geronimo Allison. And yet, when minicamp opened and the first-team offense went out there in a two-receiver set, it was Devontae Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And so this is interesting because with Randall Cobb, for example, it took some time because there there was a time with Randall Cobb when as the second receiver, quote-unquote, in this offense, he was only on the field when they had three receivers on the field. So if it was just Devontae Adams and Geronimo Allison last year, Randall Cobb wasn't on the field, even though theoretically he's the number two option in the offense. And because the Packers played, you know, 70%, 75% of snaps out of three receivers, he was on the field more often than not. But this is interesting because the Packers, I don't think are going to play with three receivers on the field that often. I think more often than not, they're going to play with two receivers on the field. And so that could mean a a not insignificant amount of difference in the playing time between Jeronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. If he is the guy when they're in two receiver sets, if he is an outside receiver in this offense, he's going to see 60, 70% of the snaps. That means... That he is the de facto number two receiver in this offense, not Geronimo Allison. Even if it is the case that Geronimo is going to see all sorts of important moments, and on third and eight, he's going to be in the game, and in no huddle situations, he's going to be in the game. And if they and if they need a you know a big play on third down, it may be the case that Rodgers is more likely to go to Geronimo Allison than Valdez Scantling. All of that could be true, but. MBS is going to have more opportunities, it looks like, at least right now. The idea that he's running with the starters isn't crazy to me, not with the way that Rodgers has talked about his progression, not with the way that the coaches have heaped praise on him and talking, talked about how much his speed can impact the game, and not when you look at the the structure of this offense and notice that you need someone to stretch the field. You need... You need that, that Taylor Gabriel deep threat for the Falcons in 2016. You need that Sammy Watkins or that Brandon Cooks for the Rams. You need that Marquise Goodwin for the 49ers in this offense. And, and at times, that's going to be Devontae Adams. He's going to get down the field and create big plays. But the speed that Valdez Scantling has, you can use him on jet sweeps. You can use him on bubble screens. You can use him on crossers where it's just a short throw and he's got space and you can just use that that speed to create a big play. There are so many different ways that he can be used in this offense that has the potential to make him more effective, much more effective in fact, in this offense relative to Mike McCarthy's offense because he is not ever going to be an overpoweringly physical guy. He needs to use his speed. To win. So, you know, maybe he's not going to be the guy that runs ultra nuanced routes. Maybe he's not going to be that guy, you know, like Devontae Adams and used, you know, some some stretch release to get off press coverage. He's not going to do some of those things. Now, I, I'm not saying he can't, because he has clearly gotten better from year one to year two. I think it's pretty clear he got better from Year one of his college to year four of his college, and from that end of college to his NFL career. He has shown some steady improvement. He can be more than just a deep threat, but that deep threat is going to be where he makes his money, and that's where he's going to impact this team. So, you know, I think in three receiver sets, you're going to see a lot of situations where you know, Allison or Devontae Adams are the more primary targets on the play and and MVS is there to clear space. But in two receiver sets, there are going to be a lot of times when they go play action out of those two receiver sets, and the play is designed to get Valdez Scantling running a deep post in space for a big play or an over route in space for a big play. Or it's designed for valdez scaling to attract two defenders and get Devonte Adams free in space. It makes sense to me that he's starting. It is just it was it was not something that I think we could have inferred based on the rotations in OTAs. The other thing is EQ has been getting snaps in the slot as well. That big slot role. Toronto Mileson is only under contract for this for this year, so it could be the case that. EQ is being trained for that big slot role. And then in a year or two, or even by the end of the year, you could have a three receiver set. That's Adams, EQ and MVS. That's a lot of size. That's a lot of speed. That's a lot of explosiveness. That's a lot of big play potential. And, and it's not to say that Geronimo Allison can't become that, that entrenched guy there and become the Muhammad Sanu of this offense. Or the Cooper Cup of this offense. I'm I'm not dismissing that as a possibility. He was really good last year early before he got hurt. It was a it was a shame. One of the main untold stories of the 2018 Packers season was Geronimo Allison was on his way to a breakout campaign. A breakout campaign. And he got hurt. And it is such a bummer because we didn't get to see him do it. This is going to be his opportunity, and I thought he was going to get that opportunity to start opposite Devontae Adams in those two receiver sets, which, as I've said, was less of a big deal under Mike McCarthy. Being the starting outside receiver didn't mean as much. You know, you go back to 2014 when Devontae Adams was a rookie. It was the case that if they were in two receiver sets, it was Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson, but he was way down the pecking order. Because it was Jordy, number one with a bullet. It was Randall Cobb, a really strong number two. And then, even though Adams was technically number three, I mean, he was he might as well have been four or five because he was so much further down the pecking order. Not just because they played with three receivers so often, but because it, you had these other two guys who were so good. Green Bay doesn't quite have that, or at least we, we haven't seen that from Valdez-Scantling. I don't think we should expect you know, that kind of leap from MVS in year two. I do think it's possible that he takes a leap. And someone like that who, who I think created more last year than we saw in the stat sheet. Aaron Rodgers missed him a couple times on deep plays. Plays that would have changed game outcomes. I mean, had him against the Patriots, missed him. Had him against the Bears, missed him. Had him in the Seahawks game for what would have been, you know, a, a game extending completion and Rodgers missed the throw. If 2019 Rodgers makes those throws, you know, and, and look, if 2018 Rodgers makes those throws, we probably have a lot different feeling about how MBS's rookie season went. He still had some really nice plays and flashed some major big play potential and and even made some plays that I didn't think, would really be in his repertoire, contested catch situations, slants over the middle in traffic, you know, jump ball situations. Those are things that we didn't see in college, things that, that he didn't really demonstrate the ability to do, and he was able to do them in NFL games when it mattered. Look, I still think EQ is the more talented, higher upside player. That doesn't mean that MVS hasn't earned this opportunity. He absolutely has. So, you know, I think it's going to be a fascinating camp and preseason to watch these guys battle. And and look, MVS, he was the standout star at receiver last year in the preseason. He earned the opportunity to play more often. Is EQ going to be relegated to slot only? Is it the case that MVS has locked up? I mean, I, nothing is locked up, but is it the case that if, if MVS is the starting outside receiver opposite Devontae Adams, that he's not going to be in a rotation with Geronimo Allison? Is Geronimo Allison going to be a slot-only player? Does that mean if EQ, who is also working in the slot as a big slot, is a slot-only player? These are questions we don't have answers to. We haven't even talked about Jake Kumaro, who has been impressive in OTAs and minicamp, not even talking about Trevor Davis who has also received a lot of praise from coaches, who is by far the team's most established returner, even if he is not an established receiver at all. Uh, we haven't gotten to Jamon Moore, who was a fourth-round pick just a year ago. So, I mean, this receiver group is definitely going to be the most exciting position group set of battles to watch the jockeying there. I mean, I, I said a week ago, I didn't think there were a lot of spots up for grabs. I didn't even realize this was happening. I mean, didn't even realize that before our eyes, MVS had elevated himself into this position. And, and look, we don't know for sure that this is lasting. We don't know for sure that this is going to be how this works because there's so many unknowns with Matt LaFleur's offense and how he's going to handle player rotations. This is, this is part of our conversation yesterday. This newness is exciting. It creates a lot of uncertainty for someone like me whose job it is to talk about this stuff and break it down and try and explain it to you because a lot of times I can't predict what's going on. But, you know, that's part of why this is fun. And speaking of fun, today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trips. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com, be there, do that, get rewarded.
2: Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better.
1: All right, we're going to be back tomorrow, and I want to talk about the secondary a little bit more because there has been some some fun stuff to come out of camp, uh, some some revelations uh, in in some ways. I don't want to spoil anything, but I also have a, 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 a take coming on Jair Alexander that I'm very excited to share with you, so a lot more to get to tomorrow. There's still football to talk about, so like I said, for as long as there is football to discuss we are going to do that so luckily there is football to discuss so we are going to keep doing that and i just want to add it was great to see ted thompson out at minicamp yesterday uh you know he's, he's dealing with some health issues and so to see him out there you know it's really um you know it's, it's good to see that he is healthy enough to be out there and still doing some work and and just being around the guys because that's what he wants to do that's what he's always just wanted to do he's just a football dude and so to see him out there and and getting to do the footballs that's pretty awesome speaking of awesome it'd be awesome if you subscribe to the podcast itunes spotify google play himalaya wherever you get podcasts you can find locked on packers leave us a review on itunes five stars rating that would be great like us on facebook Share the show on Facebook, whatever you need to do to let other people know that you like the podcast. We appreciate it. Follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers and send me those questions. going to lean on you guys for the next couple of weeks, so send them to me. Locked on Packers fan hotline, 920-341-3775. The best way, the absolute best way for you to stay Locked on Packers.